you jackass. Welcome to the Jackass Critics Podcast. With your hosts, Tom and Matt. Welcome to the Jackass Critics Podcast, presented by jackasscritics.com. I'm Tom, and I'm joined by Matt. How's it going, Bropra Winfrey? <laughs> Very well. And yourself, Thomas, this fine evening? This is our triumphant return to podcasting. Yeah, yeah. I was beginning to think that the long goodbye was going to be a long goodbye of sorts. but Not just uh, a witty name, yeah. Not just a witty name. Or as some would call it, the short good night. I hear some people don't really like Robert Altman all that much. Oh, showing your hand early, Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm not a good poker player. We're like Christian Slater in that pirate radio movie, though. You can't, you can't stop us. You know, we we just want to get our voices out there. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Obviously, this is Jackass Crazy Podcast, where we talk about the finest in cinema because we started out with, you know, Pump the Volume. Yeah. So as always, you can check us out at JackassCritics.com, as I mentioned before. Go ahead and search for us on Facebook as well. Can give us a like on our like page. You can start to find all of our little updates. Don't worry, we don't flood you with a lot of updates. We let you know when we're podcasting. We let you know when it's available, and we let you know when we've got new reviews up on the site. Yeah, yeah. We're not like that creepy boyfriend that just stalks you everywhere. We're just uh, gentle, nice. That's right. We're just like a kitten that jumps up on your lap and purrs and asks for a little pet on the head. Yeah, and then goes away. You know, it's perfect. It's a good it's relationship. Perfect. Great relationship. Yeah. You can also follow us on Twitter, and it's easy. You look for Jackass Tom, and you look for Jackass Matt. You follow us, and then you find all our little updates there. Matt, I haven't seen a whole lot of updates from you. Have you not been watching as many Italian horror films? My uh, input's been a little bit lower, but I will yeah. say that the Twitter is growing on me. I like it a lot more than I ever thought I would, and I appreciate... Uh, reading my fellow Twitter people's opinions, and even though they're limited and that bugs the OCD in me, but it's uh, pretty nice. All right, Matt, is it time? Podcast 5 is officially on like Donkey Kong. Awesome. Then let's get to some bullets in the chamber. Yeah. That's right, for the first bullet in the chamber. <laughs> oh, man. Should we go through it? The 2011 Summer Box Office Challenge. And I'm just going to post the numbers out there now. Yep. Matt? Give me, give me the good news, Tom. How much money you buy? $970 million. No, that's just how much you have. All right. That's, I, I almost thought for a second I was beating you by that much, because that's yeah. how confident I am. I know. I know. Uh, but here's the thing, Matt. Yeah. I have $1,036,482,000. dollars Thanks for the 21, by the way. I appreciate yeah. you. <laughs> Over the top. Yeah, exactly. The big accounting machine, you're pulling the arm. Yeah. Less than a dollar here. <laughs> uh, so by my count, that officially means that you're in the lead. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, I'm in the lead by uh, $66.5 million. And you don't have any more movies to release. There's only, I think, three or four weeks left. Yeah. Everything's right. in the theaters. Yeah. But I'll say this, um, we're professionals, Matt. Yeah. We, di we did pretty good. Let me, let me go through the numbers here, right? So yeah, let's break I'm going, it down. I'm going through the top 
uh, grocers of 2011. Number one, Harry Potter. That was the first overall pick by by you. So you made the right pick. Transformers Dark of the Moon was my first pick. Yeah. I, I can't stop saying it like that. It's so distracting. And that's number two. So Harry Potter so far has made three hundred and sixty million. Transformers three hundred and forty seven million. Alright. Neck and neck. Yeah. Those are those are the only two above three hundred million. Guess what's number three, Matt? Uh take a, a wild guess. Not not Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> there's uh, a three. There's a three in its ranking. But there's also yeah. another number in front of that, which we'll get to. No, the hangover part two. I got joshed and jeered for picking that one fourth overall, yeah. above Pirates of the Caribbean, $254 million. Can you believe it? I'm sure there's a bunch of frat guys you'd like to punch right now because of that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess I can believe it. And it's not like I was secretly rooting for uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 4 or whatever to really be a cinematic masterpiece. But I thought that had a lot more uh, summer blockbuster potential, you know, take the whole family out and... Yeah, it wasn't far off. It was $239 million. It was number four, Pirates of the Caribbean. So, so far, we picked the top four, and I think we both deserve a little pat on the back for that. That's true. I, I don't think it took uh, Nostra- Nostradamus to figure out roughly where the good ones were, and I think you had it, them sketched out pretty much in that way. But I I will say it's pretty embarrassing for Pirates, being a PG-13 movie, to get its butt kicked by Hangover 2, an R-rated movie. An R-rated movie? Yeah. Uh, maybe that says something about how well they card at the uh, box office. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't normally pay attention to those things, but my understanding is, in general, that PG-13 is, you know basically guaranteed money, you know, above and beyond, you know, 20% or whatever, if it, the same movie was R-rated, so, uh, whatever, I'm just grumpy, I'm just sitting here with my arms by my side, deflated over everything that we're talking about here. Yep, oh, there's a four-letter word to describe that, and again, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Number five is Fast Five, a movie that we couldn't pick because it was released too early. Yeah. Cars 2, which was your third pick, so right now you've got three in the top six. That's pretty good, Matt. About that, yeah. With one of them being un- unavailable off the table. That's got to be... That's pretty good. Solid. Thor. Thor's the next movie. And I think yeah. that was unavailable when we picked as well because it had been released two weeks earlier than we taped. That sounds about right. Yeah, we were just kind of past that one. So, so far, everything we took off the plate. But number eight, Bridesmaids. The one we didn't see coming. That one did not... That's the the summer squeaker. Right. If it follows the, the hangover... Uh, pattern, there'll be a not-funny sequel that comes in a year or two, so that makes a lot of money. So Kung Fu Panda, that's one of mine. That's number nine. Number ten, Captain America. So, so far you have four in the top ten, and I have three in the top ten. You're saying to yourself at home, but how does Matt losing? How is Matt possibly losing? How does Matt lose? We're going to find out, folks. So, here we go. X-Men First Class is 11, that's mine. Rio, nobody picked because it was released in April, and then Super 8 is 13, so... Tom pick. Yeah, that's a Tom pick, Super 8. And what did that one end up pulling in? Or... 125, so we'll, well, yeah, we'll top it right there. 125 was my last pick. Okay. So, not too bad, not too bad. And Matt, you're losing shabby. by 66 million. And your last pick, what was it called again? I can't even remember what it's called. I'm too pooped to even remember, Tom. Oh, that's right, it's Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. Uh, I remember that I, I called it Laughter Across America. I was trying to help people feel better about themselves with that pick. And you were. So mo- movies that you could have picked were, this would be a, a heated battle at this point. Yeah. Cowboys versus Aliens. Oh, man. 
if you were to pick bad teachers, I would be the one crying in my keyboard right now. Really? Yeah, bad teacher. Man. I was surprised. It almost pulled in a hundred million. It will pull no. in a hundred million probably if it keeps going. Ninety-seven. No Ninety-seven point nine. The Green Hornet. Oh no, the Green Hornet. We couldn't pick. I was thinking of yeah. the Green Lantern. However, yeah. if you pick the Green Lantern, I would be uh, again crying in my keyboard. One hundred and fifteen really? million for that stinker. Yeah. You know, we both dismissed the Green Lantern, and I think we both knew it would, I mean, do decent. I mean, it wasn't going to do it $20 million, but right. I gave a lot of credence to Pooh, and, you know, my one experience that I took a fake sick day and went to the movies and saw a million children, it was like a sea of children, it was like rain had fallen, and instead of drops of water, it was drops of children, because there were so many children inside the dang place, I figured Winnie the Pooh is going to be a $100 million movie, and... $25.3 million to date. I could not have been more wrong. Opening week, $7.8 million. That opening week, I was actually organizing flash mobs on Twitter, trying to encourage all the moms of America to go into theaters, buy tickets for Winnie the Pooh. They didn't even have to go see the movie, per se, just buy the tickets. And I think your flash mob may have scared the mothers off, to be honest with you. The flash mob campaign may have backfired on me. It may have backfired, yeah. yeah. That's too bad. So yeah, that's our uh, summer box office draft. So it looks like to the winner, maybe me, go the spoils. And uh, I guess we'll be talking about that on a later podcast after I win. I don't want to celebrate too early, but... It's looking good for you. It's looking good. The champagne's already on ice. Let's just put it that way. I don't see any midsummer uh, big marketing campaigns for Pirates of the Caribbean 4 uh, a re-push <laughs> out into the theaters. Oh, man. That would make uh, me I poo think... in my shorts, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and Winnie the Pooh does not have uh, have the legs to uh, to quadruple its, its take, so it's not looking good. All right, so the next bullet, Matt, goes to you. All right, Thomas. Fire um, away. So, I mean, in our intervening uh, little time since we last had a podcast... Um, our friends at Netflix, who we've talked about, you know, the convergence of digital media and all that sort of fun stuff, and Netflix is certainly a big player in that, but they uh, decided to kind of change their pricing structure and kind of decouple the uh, streaming portion of their product from the disc version of their product. So when they first started the streaming, it was something everybody got for free, it was just included, and even if you got one movie out at a time, you kind of got unlimited streaming for whatever movies happened to be in their streaming library. Sounded too good to be true. Too good to be yeah. true. And it was like, uh, you know, the first taste of sugar, you know, like my, my elementary school dealer taught me, that uh, first taste is free, and then eventually all things got to go away. So That's right. They caused a mini outrage. There was some angry people that... You know, maybe don't have as much perspective in life as they should. Uh, that kind of got outraged by that process. So net net, um, the pricing stays relatively the same if you want to keep the same level of service. There are some instances where it goes up a little bit, but I mean, it's still a pretty good service. Um, and you can just get streaming only for like eight bucks a month. And they recently added all the Mad Men seasons too. So and you can burn through those if you're a Mad Men fanatic. Yeah, unless unless you're me and you have them on DVD already. And you are pre-committed, but you can watch them at any time, and, you know, on the toilet and your DVD player, you know, your portable one, you can watch it, all some fun stuff. That's cool. So I decided to do a little bit of research into the competition um, and see what they had to offer. So 
I was playing around with the idea of signing up for Blockbuster Video Online. Wow, Blockbuster on the comeback? Are you telling me that? Well, they're not owned by, I think, DirecTV. You know, they're not even their own entity anymore. So (laughs) they folded up the gates and took their ball and went home and then kind of have been uh, reinvigorated to some degree by our friends at DirecTV or, or Dish. It's one of the two. So they offer an online rental service. So um, there's a few differences between just if you wanted to rent discs from Netflix or you want to rent discs from Blockbuster. Um, first of all, it's a little bit cheaper on Blockbuster, especially if you like to rent Blu-rays like I do because mm-hmm. of our cool Blu-ray technology we have available. There's a little bit of a Blu-ray tax on Netflix, but there is no Blu-ray tax on the Blockbuster, so it's always included. Wow. You can also add video games to your rental queue for Blockbuster. Kind of cool. Um, So if there's a game for a game system you kind of wanted to play, it's just a hybrid type of uh, queue or whatever, so you can throw games and movies and Blu-rays all into the same queue. Whatever pops up first, that's the next movie or game you get. Not bad, because renting games is considerably more expensive due to the fact that they're usually 60 bucks as opposed to, you know, 20 for your DVD, what have you. Right. Um, there's no streaming options at all for Blockbuster, um, so that's kind of a bummer. Um, and I, I had read legendary stories that Blockbuster just had this great variety, and they had the uh, breadth that uh, Netflix couldn't match. And Netflix has a pretty good variety. Yeah, I was about um, to say, I've always been impressed by Netflix offerings. I'm not a subscriber myself, but I used to check it out from time to time, and yeah. I was always shocked at the the movies that they carried. So I ended up taking the plunge, and I signed up for an account, um, just because they're offering a temporary deal for 30 days. You can sign up for free um, and, and test it out. So the first thing I did to test out that uh, the variety claim um, on my Netflix account, I've got a list of a bunch of movies that I want to rent, and Netflix currently doesn't carry. So for whatever reason, either there isn't a DVD out yet at all for it, or for some reason, because maybe they don't have licensing deals or couldn't get a good deal, uh-huh. Netflix doesn't have the disc yet. And much to my surprise, several of those movies were available at Blockbuster. Can you um, give me some examples that are uh, uh, airtime friendly? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So there's a very famous uh, Euro trash movie series called Django um, about a Western guy who carries around a coffin that has a bunch of uh, machine guns in it. I'm familiar and with it. There's two official Django movies, and then there was like a hundred, you know, unlicensed sequels that were made of it. So <laughs> kind of like the Easy Rider sequels. <laughs> I've always, exactly. I always be curious to see the uh, extra ones, and there are actually several Django movies uh, on Blockbuster. That Netflix just has the two, um, you know, legitimate versions uh, of the Django series. Um, and there's also a bunch of uh, Giallo flicks that they have available on the Blockbuster that, you know, Netflix tells me they're going to get eventually, but they don't have already. So, I was pretty excited to see that. That was kind of a good first impression. Yeah, definitely. So, the bad news is... Uh-oh, um, here it comes. I'm going to cancel, probably. The turnaround time is really good. It's kind of on par, which I found surprising. Uh, But there is a major availability problem. So they Uh do have or claim to have, you know, these Django movies, uh, but they're always out of stock, basically. So, you know, what good is it if you claim that you can, you know, give me a movie, but it's never in stock for you to ship it? So those Django ones have been at the top of my queue. 
I did some pretty quick turnaround times trying to get a copy sent out to myself, but no luck, you know. Mm, bummer. There's some other complaints, you know, the web interface is pretty crummy on the Blockbuster compared to the Netflix. Willing to overlook that. Mm-hmm. But uh, overall, Netflix still seems to be the best game in town. They got a well-oiled machine over there. I'm willing to pay a few extra bucks, and especially for those of us living without cable and stuff, it's a it's a pretty nice little savior. Yeah, I mean it seems pretty easy for Blockbuster. I mean they just gotta buy more of these flicks that Netflix doesn't have, at least for a person like you, Matt. That'd be a good start, yeah. And then maybe fix their web interfaces. I mean those seem like pretty pretty simple fixes. Uh, I mean, what's it cost to buy a few more copies of uh, Django, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, if that's you got to differentiate yourself, differentiate yourself somehow, and just saying we're almost as good as as Netflix, but maybe two dollars cheaper. I don't think that's going to win the battle or even get you any foothold, you know, mm-hmm. in the game, really. So, yeah, I would think, uh, you know, courting yourself to the uh, movie aficionados which may be an odd fit for Blockbuster for anybody that's actually stepped in foot of a Blockbuster, but again, it's the newly reinvented Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a familiar name. People yeah. have seen it for, I don't know, the past 20 years or so. It's certainly more friendly to my parents, for example. I mean, they hear me talk about Netflix, but uh, you know, your typical parental units in their 50s or 60s or whatever are much more familiar with Blockbuster, like you said, as a corporation, as a name, you know, the idea of it. For sure. For sure. On to the next bullet, then. Nice. All right. Ridley Scott. All right. I love Ridley Scott. Do you know what he's working on right now, Matt? Probably something that's awesome. Maybe something starring Denzel Washington or somebody that's awesome. Something starring Charlize Theron, Michael Fassbender, and Guy Pierce, And it is an alien movie in 3D. Oh, now, okay. Ridley Scott hasn't done an alien movie since the first Alien, obviously. Uh, yeah. People like James Cameron, David Fincher, and French guy's name was missing me right now, guy who did Amelie. But anyway, uh, they all did alien movie sequels to his original, his original, the one yeah. that everyone puts on a pedestal. And um, he's doing a movie now called Prometheus, which is not a sequel, not a prequel, but it's more a parallel film. Nice. So it looks to be pretty interesting, and again, why is he doing this? The technology is there for him to do this in 3D now, which definitely makes it more intriguing to a very visual director like Scott. Is he going to stop there, Matt? I mean, what, what are your impressions of this alien movie before I go on? Are you excited when you hear something like Prometheus is coming out? Well, I mean, I think we're both... I'll come clean now and admit, you know, and to a recorded fashion for all time that I was kind of eager and happy about the initial wave of 3D movies. You know, I'm part of the problem, people. Wow. Um, I haven't seen one yet, by the way. I that's You're not missing out. I mean, there okay. are inherent problems, and, you know, my fat brain wouldn't let me fully enjoy it knowing that I was seeing a dimmer image than what was probably intended. You know, I had this big clunky thing on my face. All that being said, for your typical summer blockbuster fair, it surely is fun, but... I mean, he might be missing the boat here because I think that fad is the ship has sailed. I mean, people are noticeably tired of it, and a lot of the 2011 summer blockbusters, there was vocal backlash uh, from the 3D versions being not worth both the premium and even less good than the 2D versions. So, from the technical standpoint, I mean, I think maybe that was a bad decision. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I keep thinking that this 3D thing is 
a fad. Like, it was a fad back in the day. It, it's hard for me to say this, and I know no one's going to really trust my opinion since I said I hadn't gone to one yet, but <laughs> I, I just don't see how this is more than a fad. I mean, you need to wear special glasses to see this. But then there are things that tell me that maybe this isn't a fad. There are theaters that are outfitting themselves for the special projectors that it takes for this, and there's still people to, going to see movies. It's just that when you have a big movie like Avatar, that'll pull in a lot of people for this, but when you have a movie like, I don't know, Cowboys vs. Aliens, it mm-hmm. may not have the same draw, or a right. Conan, right? Yeah. This type of movie might have the draw. I could see how it would pull people in. Um... And they have 3D TVs now. That was the other thing I was going to say, right? The theaters right. are outfitted for this. Now they have the DVDs and the TVs. So people are really investing themselves. They're, they're you know, putting their roots in the ground in 3D. Yeah, yeah. And you can tell the studio is going to be happy about it. They get that extra gravy in the initial run. And then, you know, your 3D Blu-ray version, I mean, that's probably got to retail for 40 bucks. So I'm sure they're pretty happy mm, about it, you know. Yeah. Um, but you never expect Ridley Scott to be one to kowtow around. He's successfully made movies without 3D imagery. Mm-hmm. I mean, does this? I mean, it seems like it seems like the next barrier for him is to uh, just make Blade Runner into 3D, right? Nobody would do that. That's sacrilegious, Tom. Uh, it was announced today, Matt. He's gonna direct and produce. You didn't hear Blade Runner 3D? Blah, That's blah, what this whole bullet's blah, about. Blah 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 blah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, Ridley Scott himself signing up for Blade Runner 3D. It's happening. That's, that's what, I mean, what's what's wrong with that? Movie, the original movie is a little slice of near perfection. I mean, it's an adorable movie that I dearly love. So I will say, when you watch Blade Runner, yeah. you watch it, you don't think to yourself this was made in 1983. Yeah, you watch it, and you think this could have been made within the last 10 years or so. It, it just looks crisp and clean and sharp. It looks like something that David Fincher would make. You know, it's very dark. Uh, I agree shit. totally, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, I, uh, when I was an early adopter into the HD world and had an HD DVD player, which is the losing format, um, that was like <laughs> the first HD DVD I bought was the five-disc version of Blade Runner. And, you know, I've watched it uh, four or five times and the director's cuts and the making of. There's like a four-hour-long making of special which is pretty crazy. Wow. Um, so I, I dearly love the movie, and, I mean, the world is rich enough to support other stories being told. I mean, it's 30 years later. I think that was the 25th anniversary disc that I bought, and people are still arguing about Decker's past and whether or not he's a replicant and stuff. So, I mean, it's not due to a lack of material, and they're just going to grind out another saw for the and just make up stories to make it fit. I mean, there's plenty of room in that universe, but the oh, the CG that's going to happen in that it just makes mm-hmm. my skin crawl. Because the, the crispness is the I think the the production values that everything was done by hand and practically, and oh, it's just going to get CG. Yeah, there's some there's something different about this movie than Alien, and maybe it's because from Blade Runner until now, there's only been one Blade Runner. It's been cleaned up a little bit, right. but there's only been one. And like you said, Decker is this main character who's really the source of the story. And you can go back to Alien, and you can look at um, uh, Sigourney Weaver's character. Ripley. Ripley, thank you. I wanted to say Ridley. That's close enough. Um, <laughs> Ripley. 
and she's a very strong character, obviously, but she's been in sequels, her character's yeah. been taken other places, and then I think at one point they had a sequel without her in it. Right. Or at least they resurrected her, and it wasn't really her, but, yeah. you know, all these, all these other weird things. Wink, wink. So, right. Yeah. So they've kind of gotten away from that, and they've really been able to build it around the monster itself, the alien. Yeah, yeah. And not the original intent of the original film, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, the original film is uh, it's definitely, driven. yeah, yeah character driven. It's it's about you know the scary thing that's around the corner, and you don't really see as much of the alien as you do in say James Cameron's Aliens, Aliens. which yeah, which I think is a superior film. I mean, call me uh, sacrilege. I'm not even into. Scary films or action films, but yeah. I much more enjoyed myself watching Aliens than Alien. I I'm gonna be sacrilegious and agree with you. I mean, we're two for two on that one. Yeah. Yeah, Ridley Scott, the hack himself. Yep. Oh, well, I, I'll say this: the original Blade Runner is like a black and white tuxedo, timeless. It's classic. It's good. Mm-hmm. Good in the 19th century. Good in the 21st century. Uh, the new Blade Runner 3D is going to be like uh, rainbow tuxedos at weddings. That it seemed really cool at the time, and then looking back, everyone had a good laugh at it. That's my analogy. And I, I don't know if that's going to hold up, but you can hold me to it. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to get a glimpse of it when Prometheus comes out. Is it going to be closer to Alien, or is yeah. it going to be closer to Alien versus Predator? Right. Nice work. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of a good, nice thermometer to to judge, you know, the potential for floppage with the uh, uh, Blade Runner 3D. Good call, Thomas. Thank you. And Matt. Yes, Thomas. Do you have another bullet loaded up for us? I do. And uh, this is going to be a new. We're going to try something new here in Podcast Five. It's time to break some new ground. Get a little um, saucy. This is going to be a segment within a segment. Yeah, we so, can do that. So we're going to call this one uh, Make Mine Madsen. Okay, let's talk. And that's just for lack of imagination on coming up with a better uh, title. It's got three M's in it. I think that's pretty slick. Yeah, yeah. I've been reading a lot of uh, Stan Lee. He used to do that a lot in the old Marvel comics. So Make uh, Mine Madsen. Okay, bring it on. shout out to Stan Lee. So... And and for everyone out there in the podcast world, I don't even know what this is going to be. I just know Madsen is in relation to Michael Madsen. That's right. That's but right I'm now. hearing this as you're hearing this. So proceed. I am springing this on Tom like a bear trap when he's walking through the woods, and I'm about to snare his leg. So we can listen to the uncomfortable train wreck that's about to happen for the first time together. Um, so I've, I've been, uh, believe it or not, on the Netflix streaming, there are some low-quality movies that are fairly abundant. Um, and not surprisingly, Michael Madsen, you could make, uh, like a whole week of watching Madsen movies and never watch the same one twice, basically, on streaming. A lot okay. of opportunity to watch movies. Now, I, I don't know how you feel about Madsen. As much as I hate to admit it, I still think he's kind of a cool guy. Yeah, so Michael Madsen, if you remove anything Quentin Tarantino has ever done, yeah, I'd never hear of the guy. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> However, Quentin does have, you know, good tastes, and he has invigorated or reinvigorated a lot of careers. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Come on. I, Quentin loves him. Why can't you, Thomas? No, I mean, I I, I guess I have a soft spot for Michael Madsen uh, because of his role in Reservoir Dogs, obviously, yeah. is Mr. White. Is that, right. is that the right one? Yeah. He was probably the reason that that movie was as good as it was, because he was just this crazy, unpredictable SOB. 
and then you can take it into, say, the Kill Bill movies, yes. where he was a little bit less uh, less memorable, I guess you could say, but he was still beaten down and haggard. But I think he played it, pulled it off pretty well. He pulled it off well, yeah. right? I mean, it's the character he was asked to play for sure, for sure. All right, so so I've been going through some Madsen movies lately, and it kind of inspired me to want to talk about Madsen and maybe in, dedicate you know a whole segment within a segment to him. So we've got two little mini games we're going to play here. Not to uh, harken back to uh, the previous mini games we played, where I kicked some major butt uh, in the summer box office pick 'em. Not that it helped me at all, by the way. Right. Uh, I still we'll, we'll got point smushed. That out. Yeah. So our first game uh, is going to be to pick the real movie titles of movies Michael Madsen has been in. Now he's been in some humdingers, so some of these uh, movie titles are pretty awful. So we're going to give you two lists, Tom, and you're going to have to pick which one of them is the real uh, <laughs> Michael Madsen movies, and which ones are titles that I completely made up. Wow. Okay, yeah, I, I guess I'm ready for this. I mean, All the right. only other Michael Madsen movies I can think of are Species and, I want to say, Donnie Brasco? Those are correct, and luckily I strayed away from anything that even had a hint of being in the box office. I am sure, I'm sure. <laughs> Michael Madsen, it's good to hear he makes money. Some of these have probably played in Brazil or uh, you know Argentina on the big screen, but uh, about 50 inches is as big as it gets, which is the TV inside my living room. So, column A, or column one, list A, what have you. Let's get this party started. So, we've got movies called The Killing Time, Fatal Instinct, Trouble Bound, Ultimate Target, and Choke. Mm -hmm. Now for column two, The Last Ten Seconds, <laughs> Strangle, Final Decision, Triple Trouble, and The Killing Crosshairs. <laughs> well, I've actually heard of movies in column one. Okay. I mean, I've heard of Choke. That's based off of a Polonic novel. Oh, well, this is a different Choke if it is. <laughs> but I won't <laughs> show my hand. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah, that's got the Sam what's-his-name in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to have to go with column two, despite the fact that all those names of movies are completely horrible. <laughs> You've, well, you've you, led me into this being a B-movie list, so I'm going to go with the most B-name movies, and that's in column two. I, I did lead you astray, because column two is the ones I made up that are oh. even far worser. What's this guy's problem? Though, though the, the, from the legitimate list, Ultimate Target's pretty bad. Trouble Bound is pretty bad. It sounds like a Problem Child 3 movie. Problem Child 3, Trouble Bound. Yeah. So, so Killing Time, <laughs> Fatal Instinct, Troublebound, Ultimate Target, and Choke, which I actually watched, and it was horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Uh, horrible. <laughs> horrible. Yeah, that's almost as bad of a title as Collateral Damage. Yeah, exactly. And basically, these could all interchange with, you know, whoever the star is at the time. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Or Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal, exactly. So, yeah. all right. We have a, we have a second minigame here. Um, this one I is... Like it. To, to pick the real Michael Mac Madsen's character names from some of his awesome movies. Oh, even better. So, we've got two columns again here. Are you ready to hear some awesome names of characters? You're the man. Now the fun begins. Is one of the names Snake McGun? <laughs> uh, there are some that aren't that awesome, but almost that awesome. Okay, okay. Alright, so we've got 
Dr. Azira. <laughs> Michael Madsen plays a doctor. Okay. Clinton, Manitoba. <laughs> Guillermo List. <laughs> no, stop. <laughs> Morris Poole. Oh, God. <laughs> and Detective Lorenzi. Uh, do you need to repeat those? Or... Hi, I'm Morris Poole. I'm here to clean your pool. <laughs> Clinton, Manitoba. Oh, okay. So, so what that, do I do? Do I pick? That's column A. Or oh, oh a. that's wow. Okay. So here's here's our other options. Here's uh, list B. Rogelio Torres. Oh wow. Okay. Sasha Petrosvich. <laughs> Doctor Wesley McLaren. I threw another doctor in there. Wow. Detective Gino Felino. <laughs> and Oren Boyd. So we, so just to break it down, we have doctors in both lists, meaning that, in fact, Michael Madsen played a doctor in a movie. Wow. Unbelievable. Wow, that's incredible. That's gone off the reservation right there. Yeah, I think all those names are going... Oren Boyd? <laughs> is he a, a senator from Utah? Who is it, this? I know, what a... <laughs> bizarre. I'm going to go with... I'm gonna go with column one. That's that's been the one that's made me laugh the most. I'm column one is correct. Those are the actual names: Morris Pool, Clinton, Manitoba, Guillermo List. Those are real names from Michael Madsen characters. And list two is actually real names from Steven Seagal movies. Of Steven Seagal. Oh, and he played a doctor too, of course. Of course he did. I yeah. want to know what kind of doctor are they? Doctors of proctology? I mean, come on. You better rent the movie and find out. Yeah, I have not seen either one of these guys are doctors in, so... Uh, Madsen was a doctor in the movie called The Portal, and Seagal was a doctor in The Patriot, which I don't think I've seen either. Or I've blocked out from my memory, if I had. Very good, Matt. Very good. Well, thanks for playing along, Tom. I know I put you kind of behind the cue ball there, just uh, not knowing what was going on. And, you know, that's my little shout-out to Madsen. hope he keeps it real. He certainly has. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I enjoyed every minute of it, Matt. Thank you. I look forward to playing Make Mine Madsen one more time. Uh, there's more more data to be mined there, that's for certain. Perfect, perfect. And that was Bullets in the Chamber. Yeah, bam, 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 bam. Thank you very much. Thank you. And before we move on, I'd like to make a little mention here. There's an event going on for fans of horror. Ooh. The Flint Horror Con is happening on October 29th at the Historic Masonic Temple in Flint, Michigan. Tickets are only $10. There'll be all sorts of things for lovers of horror film and art, including the following movies. Italian Zombie Movie Parts 1 and 2, Project Swan, and Heavy Mental. Get your tickets now, and for out-of-towners, check out cheap airfare at the lovely and stress-free Flint Bishop Airport. For more information, you can go check out their website at flinthorrorcon.com. That's all one word, Flint Horror Con. Very cool. That zombie movie, that, that's something else. That's uh, we're seeing. Yeah, the Italian zombie movie. That definitely sounds like it's up your alley. Oh, yeah, that's, that's gore galore. It's, it's pretty intense. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we know the guy who's putting this together. He knows his horror. He knows what he's doing. So I imagine this will be a uh, day filled of horror fun. And it's Halloween weekend. I mean, that's pretty cool. What right. better thing to do on a Saturday? Ten bucks. That's uh, that's some good good usage of your dollars there. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. 
FlintHorkon.com. And this will be the end of part A of Podcast 5. Join us on the other side. Got to flip it over. <laughs> like Try a something tape. new, breaking it up, for, based on fan demand. That's right. Or flip it over like a, a laser disc. There you uh, go, yes. Nice. And then you will find all that we talk about on the movie The Long Goodbye, as promised in our introduction.